Were we supposed to giggle in solo? Yeah. Hey everybody, this is Doc Mac from the Galloping Ghost Arcade, and you're listening to Pie Factory. <laughs> <laughs> or one. When set to the default value of one, each statement sent to the database is automatically committed unless preceded by begin. Otherwise, you need to send a commit or rollback to end a transaction. And that is how we play the game. Questions? Electronic. Supersonic. I don't know. Thanks, but that is not a question because this is Pie Factory Podcast. Uh Hey, coming to you live. Well, not almost live from Pie Factory headquarters north in beautiful, um, not downtown at all, Chicago. This is um, um, I got to prepare ahead of time for some kind of a snazzy name. I do not have a snazzy name. Ah, here we go. This is unsnazzy Sean. Oh, I was going to say snazzy, Sean. Too late. I'm unsnazzy. And aren't you going to introduce me? No. All right. Fine. Fine. And um, to my charming and delightful is the West, uh, Jimmy G. You know, one of these days when you introduce me, I want you to say, what up, G? Could you do that? Yeah, I'll do that next time. Okay. Do that that right now. No. No. Next time. It's too late for now. Oh, come on. I no, want you it's say, too what late. Up, We've G? already been delayed a week. So, um, no, well. we haven't been delayed. We took a hiatus. Yes, a, a hiatus. very short hiatus. Yes, a very short hiatus, which for two people that are over six feet tall, a short hiatus has got to be pretty short. Wow. Yeah. that went. I'm, I'm just like got nothing going anywhere these days. I don't know what the hell is with that. But hey, yeah, uh, this is Jimmy G from Pie Factory South. Well, technically southwest, and we're, because uh, I'm not quite south, and I'm not quite west. I'm kind of like somewhere in between. So I, let's just say Pie Factory Southwest now. Just uh, because, Pie Factory a, Southwest now. Because, you know, I am a bit of a geography geek. And, uh, you know, and as much as I love Close Encounters of the Third Kind is my all-time favorite movie, the geography makes me wince. Oh, ugh, every time. By the way, interesting. Um, I found a website. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but it uh, it goes in. Uh, it, it's got a list of movies and it has uh, addresses where uh, where they were filmed. And um, they had the listing there for Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and they had the neighborhood in Alabama <laughs> where they filmed uh, Richard Dreyfuss's house, which of course in the movie is supposed to be in Indiana, and. Um, Darned if I didn't look on Google Earth and went to the, uh, or not Google Earth, but Google Street View and went to the neighborhood, and I actually saw Roy Neary's house as it stands today. Ooh. And it hasn't changed since the 70s. <laughs> um, but I thought that was uh, that was pretty interesting, but apparently I thought wrong. So, well, you know. I, I yeah, I, I know. Um so, uh, what have you been up to since our last episode? Uh, this is episode, what, 32, I believe, or 31? Uh, well, let's check out PieFactoryPodcast.com. <laughs> that is, a, that is a, uh, actually a very good way to, uh, to plug our website. You know, just pretend we don't know what we're talking what website? about. Our website. Oh, I see what you did there. PieFactoryPodcast.com. Ah. Oh, this yes. is episode 31. 31. Yay. 
Yeah, because we had made it. <laughs> we made a conscious decision a while back to do special episodes, like every tenth episode. Give or take. And, uh, but they've. I, I think. Did we hit? I don't think we've ever hit uh, an exact multiple of ten, have we? No, I think we did on the seventy-eight hundred episode. But our other two special episodes, no, nah, that didn't happen. <laughs> well, this one and the other one, since we've only had two. Oh, um, actually, yeah, we never had. We never did. We yeah. never did, because episode 10 was Frogger and Asteroids, episode 20 mm-hmm. was Tapper and Food Fight, and ap- episode 30 was the very special Super Zaxxon and Asteroids Deluxe. The very special Super Zaxxon. That's a phrase you never hear, and you will probably never hear again unless you listen to this episode of the podcast over and over and over, which you should be doing. Oh, and you know what? When we ha- we were at Galloping Ghost Arcade, in fact, that's uh, because we were there, we were able to do this episode. Mm-hmm. And they had just acquired a Super Zaxxon. And you know what? I just realized I left without playing it. Quel dommage. Oh, noes. I know. I, you know what? Did I play it? I think I played Zaxxon. I don't think I played Super Zaxxon when I was there. Yeah, I think I just played old Zaxxon. And um, who was it? Was uh, After you had left, who was hanging around with me? Uh, oh, James White was kind of kind of hanging around with me a little bit. And uh, and I was playing Gyrus, and he was talking about his scores. And no matter what machine you would go on, he would like tell you all about his scores and how he reaches them. And, and well, I that. thought you were going to uh, say, no matter what machine you go on, he'll kick your ass on it. Well, there is that too. But um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, James White. You uh, don't I don't think he's ever him. beat Duke's uh, score on Centipede, though. Good lord! I, I, how is that humanly possible? Wait a minute. Duke's not human. That's Duke, yeah. Yeah, those of you who don't follow us on Facebook because you're afraid of Facebook, ew, it's going to share all my private information. Yeah, only if you want it to. Duh. Duh. And our friend Duke, whom we've mentioned before, the night before we recorded this, actually, he did this just a few blocks away from my apartment. There's a barcade that I haven't been to yet. He got... 839,998 on their centipede machine. That's his current, that's his high score so far. The scary thing is I saw this photo you posted of his high score. He had every score on the high score table and the lowest one was like (laughs) 750,000 or something. 703,481. There you go. And that was the lowest score in the top 10. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there was an old song, uh, don't mess around with Jim. Well, you mess around. You can mess around with me all you want, but you don't mess around with Duke, especially when it comes to Centipede. Holy well, crap. Well, there is a Jim you don't mess around with in terms of arcade games. Oh, and that's yeah, James true. White. James White, who I was talking about <laughs> just a moment ago. Yes, that is true. So Yeah, seriously, that, guy, that guy's a monster at these games. Yeah, we've. Uh, I've actually uh, spoken with him a little bit uh, about uh, some uh, specific personal issues. Uh, that we uh, we have in common, and he, you know, he's a real, he's a, he's a, well, I can't say he's a real nice guy because everybody that we've met in the arcade scene in the Chicago area have all been really cool people. So, oh yeah, I can't say it's just him. It's uh, it's you know him and Pete Hahn and Doc and uh, Doc and Scott, of course, and Duke. Yeah. and uh, you know they're 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 all really cool. You when you get into the arcade community in the Chicago area, man, they're they're just so many great people there it's uh, you know and i use the phrase community and that's exactly what it is it is a community and um you know we are so lucky to live where we live actually yeah no kidding yeah seriously if i had not moved back here uh from new jersey i wouldn't be able to do this podcast that's true 
That's true. Oh, that just that's prompting some emails. Go back to Jersey. Oh, by the way. Well, then um, again, I can always go to Richie Knuckles. Uh, I keep saying that one of these days I'm going to get up to uh, DeKalb to uh, go to um, uh, oh, what was Star, it? Star Wars. Worlds. And uh, before too long, I might <laughs> I might have to make a special trip up there instead of just doing it when I go up to see my sister slash. Slash is your sister? Yeah, slash my sister. Oh. But uh, the reason being is uh, he just got a job at Brookfield Zoo. Oh, jeez. So, <laughs> it's funny because my sister lived in Brookfield. She moved in with her fiancé in DeKalb. Uh, he had a job out there. He got let go. Now he's got a job back at Brookfield. <laughs> so uh, I'll probably be visiting uh, Galloping Ghosts a little bit more. But uh, actually, it's probably going to be a while off yet before they move out there. So I'll probably get another chance to get up to uh, Star Worlds, which I believe is a... Uh, it's not one of those pay-one-price type uh, deals. It's uh, right. it's uh, based on tokens. Yeah, I think the whole thing about the pay-one... I might be wrong about this, but I had heard that the reason that Doc does the pay-one-price thing, and he's been he's probably the first arcade around here to do that, is it has to do with gaming laws in the town. Oh, really? Yeah, because of... Uh, I, I think... Te- I, it might be something like dropping a coin into a gaming machine counts as gambling or something. Or I, I don't know. I could be wrong about that, but but then that wouldn't explain video games at the bars because exactly. that, that one bar that's just just down from there. Which I I want to go back uh, <laughs> go back to Galloping Ghost just to hang out at that bar a little bit. That seems like actually God, a pretty Rixies. cool bar. But uh, because that wouldn't explain them because I I believe they had a Mortal Kombat machine of some sort in there. Um, they had a couple of video games. I can't recall they what did. they were, but um, a couple of pinball machines too. Oh, yeah, that's right. I want to get back to the, I think it's the Moose Lodge out here in Morris, which is just about a mile from me, where uh, they've got that Metallica pinball machine. That is a really mm. awesome pinball. I want to play that one again. But, um, but you know, there we go. Um, Indeed. It, it occurs to me, uh, do we have any addenda and errata? Oh, wait, well, no, no, no. I, that, that, you introduced the show. I'm well, sorry. You, 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 you steer. Well, here's the thing, because this is a special one-off, I kind of want to put off the addenda and errata for um, our next regular, typical format-fitting episode. Uh-huh. Especially because, you know, there might be some people who might be put off by this episode because they're like, yeah, I don't care about this one. I'll just wait for the next one. That's true. That's true. So, and, and well, uh, of course, wait, hold on. I'm, Did you I'm say, being modest. Did being you say the episodes here. were form-fitting? I mean, they hug no, every curve of our bodies? Format-fitting. Format fitting. Ugh. Yes. Oh. Of course, I I am kind of being modest here because uh, we don't really have any addenda and errata for uh, for last episode so far. We, which means we you know got what? There it were, right. We did get a few comments on Atari Age about yeah, Super Zaxxon. Like, yeah, you know what? You're right. Super Zaxxon sucks. And, uh, and <laughs> yeah, they, they, they pretty much agreed with us. So uh, there's that. So there's no need to go into that. And yeah, they don't need it any, all. On, well, we can answer that question next week. Uh, so stay tuned next, next week. episode, whatever week we're going to do it. <laughs> Did Jim and Sean get any feedback for Asteroids Deluxe? Again, not going anywhere. Oh, yeah, I'm going to stay around a while. I'm not going anywhere. But um, anyway, but yeah, we're doing kind of a one of our um, infamous one-off episodes tonight. Tonight, whenever you're listening to this, uh, I don't even know what time it is tonight. right now. Oh, it's 8 o'clock right now as I look at my... Clock, and now I'll take a leak out the window to see if it's freezing outside of Pie Factory Headquarters North. 
Two Anywho. points if you can guess what that was from. Well, some people will incorrectly guess a prior Pie Factory podcast episode, which technically, yeah, we did say that before, but you know, is technically uh, true. Yeah, but but um, is not the correct answer. That's not the, the answer for which we are looking. Okay, Sorry. I, I have to I have to get this out. Uh oh. Sunday, I went to a trivia thing fundraiser for uh, my kids. Uh, was it for the music department at the school? Or was it just, I, I don't remember. It was some some trivia fundraiser thing for the school. And they um, they had a question in the uh, contest. It was, what was the longest running show on American television? And the answer they gave was The Simpsons. That's and, the first thing that comes to my mind. But I think the Today Show has been long running well, a lot longer. Well, here's the thing. There have been couple hundred shows that have been on TV longer than The Simpsons. The Simpsons has been on 27 years now. It might be the longest-running animated show, but they did not say yes. that in the question. The longest-running show on, tele- on American television is... Anybody? All right. Meet the Press. It's been ah. on since 1947. It's been on like 65, 67 years. Wait. Hmm. So, uh, 16, 69? 69, dude! Yeah, it's been on television that freaking long, and uh, it's still on today. And uh, isn't I think George Stephanopoulos isn't he the host still? I don't know. I don't know what he hosts. I don't know what he's on one of those hosts. Sunday morning news shows that everybody ignores. Well, um, I ignore him basically because I'm asleep. I don't get up early on Sundays. I get up early on Sunday to go riding my bicycle. And I don't know um, how anybody could possibly do that. Well, I pretty much have to because that's the only free time I get to myself all week. All right. Well, since you brought up something off topic, I have to bring up something off topic here. Now, remember how a few episodes back I talked about how I have that Ion Air Pro camera? Very similar to one you have, except I think yours is slightly more advanced than mine. How I put I put it on a helmet strap. The strap flew off when I was riding on a very smooth road, too. And and the camera fell fell off of the camera. And I couldn't find the camera anywhere. Uh-huh. So what I did, I got a replacement camera, mm-hmm. and I've been using it pretty frequently lately, and I decided, you know what, I don't want it flying off my helmet again, so I'm going to oh, no. put it on the hel- the handlebar mount. Oh, no. So somewhere on somewhere near the intersection of Racine and Wrightwood in Chicago is my camera. <gasps> I saw it fall off. I saw it hit the ground. I saw it roll. It went under either a BMW or a Chrysler. I left a note on both cars saying, here's my phone number. If you see this camera lying around, call me. And I biked past that place again today. I saw the note was still on the BMW, so the BMW owner didn't see it yet. Wow. So, yeah, yet another one. Thanks, Ion Pro. Holy cow. I don't know how you're ha- I have that same camera, and I have never had that problem. That is a really, really bizarre problem to have with one of those things. I think what might have happened was uh, the thread on the camera is plastic, which means it breaks really easily. Mine is metal. So. I wonder, but then again, the, uh, the thread on the mount is plastic, too, though, so that might be, that might be an issue, but I'm pretty sure mine is metal. That's the most metal uh, mount that I've ever seen. That's like totally metal. Yeah. Oh, and speaking of totally metal, why don't we talk about a couple of guys who are really into metal? Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh. yeah. So, hey, um, in case you haven't been able to figure it out, i.e. in case you can't read English, uh, well, first of all, I'm proud to say that 
we are going to talk about a game that was never released. I think this is the first time we've, uh, the topic of our show was an unreleased game. Is Yeah, this we did talk about a game that was never released in the United States. That was Tinkle That's Pit. That's right. However, we have never talked about a game that was never... I was tickled pink to talk about Tinkle we Pit. Have, however, we have never talked about a game that was never released at all. That's and, right. Um, it happens to be, uh, as you were saying, based on uh, two guys that are like, eh, pretty cool. <laughs> and yes, we are talking about the Beavis and Butthead uh, arcade. Oh, yeah. I, can't, I can't do the Beavis voice. <laughs> you sound more like uh, you sound more, more like Curly when you try Beavis. What? This guy. Um. Yes, Beavis and Butthead. Uh, what was the uh, the date on this? It was 96? 96, yes. When it was canceled. 1996 when it was canceled. It was, this was going to be released by, of all companies, Atari. This game is interesting. It's um, got a bit of a history, if you will. Oh, does it? Apparently. Well, <laughs> apparently, uh, they're, you know, they were making this game. Somehow Atari got the rights to do, or Warner Interactive. Um, got the rights to do um, a game based on Beavis and Butthead, an arcade game. And uh, they were creating it, and they had uh, 12 prototypes going. And then uh, Atari got sold from Warner to Midway, and uh, uh, we do have a little bit of a uh, short interview with Doc Mack a little bit later on in this episode about uh, about uh, what he knows about this game, and he can tell you why this game was canceled, which... If what he says is true, and quite frankly, I have no reason to doubt Doc at all. Oh, me too. Yeah, he's, uh, hey, when it comes to gaming, he's a sharp guy. Uh, Strike that. He's a sharp guy in general. Yeah, and when you hear the reason that uh, Midway dumped Beavis and Butthead and four other games, possibly five, it's not really all that surprising. It's stupid. It's stupid, but not all that surprising due to some boneheaded decisions that, that video game executives have made over the decades, you know? <laughs> Bone. <laughs> yeah. And, oh gosh, you think the people are going to get tired of our Beavis and Butthead impersonations during this episode? Why now and not uh, 30 That's episodes ago? True. It's interesting because on an, on an earlier episode, when we interviewed Doc Mac on our Pac-Man slash Space Duel episode, I believe it was. Yes, um, episode fifteen. I don't know if we recorded it, but uh, I said you got to try to get the Beavis and Butthead arcade game, and he had responded that he actually had a call about that earlier that day. <laughs> uh, so apparently, he had heard about it. I want to say that he was just trying to look cool. Is it? Yep, I've been talking about yeah, that. One. I've been talking to people. I really <sighs> want to believe that we were the catalyst behind getting Beavis and Butthead. But to as I said ghost. a moment ago, you are welcome, Doc. <laughs> but as I <laughs> said a moment ago, Doc is a pretty sharp guy, so he probably did have this in the works. In fact, he was saying that his uh, significant other told him about the game and that he should get it. Oh, really? Um, I didn't yeah, know that he, came from Danielle. Oh, you didn't hear that? No. We, when we were, I think we he said that when we were talking to him at huh. uh, at uh, Midwest Gaming Classic about this, which is where we oh. got the, the little snippet of audio, by the way. Yeah, he was saying that Danielle brought it up to him. I remember I was on the uh, killer list of video games several years ago, and I was just going down the... Actually, it's uh, arcades-museum.org, or is it .com? I think it's, I think it's a .com. .com. And um, I was looking through all of the games Atari released, and I saw a listing there for Beavis and Butthead, and I'm like, there was a Beavis and Butthead arcade game, and I didn't know about this? 
And I looked down the list, and it did say it was a prototype, never got out of prototype stage. And I'm like thinking, this will be a game I'll never play, ever. <laughs> There's just no way I'll ever get to play this one. And then video surfaced of somebody playing the game at a show, I believe, out in California. Yeah, it was California Extreme. California Extreme, which I think, didn't they? Wasn't there? I believe there was also a video of somebody playing the Laserdisc edition of Roadrunner there as well uh, from that same exhibition, which that's a game that uh, we'll talk about uh, sooner rather than later. But then after I saw that, and I'm like, well, at least they got to see video of it. And then just a week, week and a half, maybe two weeks tops before the Midwest Gaming Classic, Doc Mac announces that they got one of the Beavis and Butthead arcade games. And even better, they were going to bring it to the Midwest Gaming Classic. And even better, me and Sean were at the Midwest Gaming Classic. So we got to spend some quality time on that, which uh, we did post the video from that, I believe. Um, yes, we did. Yeah, we didn't uh, want, We didn't uh, play it all the way through because we didn't want to monopolize the machine. Exactly. Sadly. Uh, but uh, we talked to Doc, and uh, he actually... Uh, Gave us some uh, gave us some time on the machine so that we could play it and uh, you know document it, film it, whatever, so that uh, we could have uh, so we could do this episode that we are bringing to you. And if people, if my camera was turned on, they could see that my hands are extended out toward the camera. Indeed, this is from us to you. So, um, first of all, the Beavis and Butthead machine that they have at Galloping Ghost is a permanent part of the collection. Uh, when I say permanent part of the collection, it's there to play. And it's not going away unless the machine breaks down, I guess. I don't know. And even then, they'll try to Which fix it. Which has happened since, by Which the way. Which has happened a couple of times, it including... It happened at Midwest Gaming Classic, actually. And Scott at Underground Retrocade helped him out with that, actually. Yeah, I think he had a spare monitor. And what happened yeah. is the monitor blew, I think. And Scott's like, you know what? I think I have a spare. Yeah, I think he said he brought a couple of extra monitors. Yeah. And... Uh, they got it. Uh, they got it up and working. We were. I remember when they announced that uh, the Beavis and Butthead machine was not working. <laughs> we were pretty bummed about it. We're like, oh man. Yeah. And then, then when uh, we heard it was working, we pretty much just stood up immediately and left the table. It's like yeah, <laughs> I don't care that all my stuff is here. I got to go play that game. Yeah, you know the uh, you know in cartoon when a when somebody is like standing still and then they immediately zip off. Say like the like the Roadrunner again. Um, how it has like a, a graphic of like three lines where the character once stood and then the upper one and the bottom one just kind of curls. That's pretty much the way that we were on that. Uh, we yeah, were out of there so of fast. Smoke, but I think a, there was something else that caused it, though. Yeah, well, yeah, there was a there was a distortion in the space-time continuum for us to get down to the uh, to do where the Beavis and Butthead machine was. And, of course, it was in the basement. And, of course, you were having problems with your knee at the time. Yeah, my knee was kind of like just kind of bothering me once in a while, but then going downstairs was like, ah, and I was like, ah, crap. I hate you. Ah, I'm your knee. Ah. It's almost 100% back to normal now. I did some physical therapy. Yeah, I'm going to have to probably get my right knee looked at, but that's off topic. I'm your knee. Ah. So, uh, as I was saying, we managed some uh, playtime on the machine at Galloping Ghost so that we could uh, record it. And as soon as we can confirm our YouTube account that will be up there, I uploaded it. But it said, hey, your YouTube account isn't confirmed. I'm like, what? It's not going to Catholic Church now? I, I, I don't get the idea here. Anyway, yeah. so, um, so that's kind of the, uh, the, uh, the history of it. And uh, it was a real 
surprise, <laughs> real surprise. Oh God, you should have heard my reaction when I read the post on Facebook that Doc Mac got a hold of the prototype. Here's my reaction, literally. <clears throat> as loud as I possibly could, I did that kind of gasp. And everybody in the house thought somebody I knew had died. <laughs> yeah, you did and went to heaven. <laughs> exactly. Because this is a game I wanted to play for a long, long time. And um, when you say died and went to heaven, this game is... Should I tip my hand here? Um, I enjoyed it. It's something that, that I want to do. I want to read a follow-up post that Doc posted after he unveiled the game. Every Monday night, Doc unveils a new game that's being added to Galloping Ghost. And, of mm-hmm. course, this was one of the Monday night games. Oh, but the week that we're recording this, he actually revealed a game which I had no idea existed. He's been doing a lot of these. Like a couple of weeks ago, he revealed Silent Hill. Uh, a while back before that, he revealed a Castlevania arcade game and a Metal Doc Gear Solid Doc has games that don't even exist. And this one, the one he revealed this week was an arcade version of the PC game Left for Dead, which I had no idea existed. But anyway, carry on. So yeah, the next day, he what he does, he uh, on Facebook, he streams it. It's an event, basically. It's like, here's our new game. Wah! But uh, Tune in on, day, on the Galloping Ghost channel on Twitch around 5 p.m.-ish uh, central time. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it's a little earlier, sometimes a little later, but usually in the 5 o'clock hour. Link in the show notes. But uh, the next day, he posted about a dozen pictures of it and he wrote and i quote for those that missed the live stream last night we added another lost prototype arcade game to the floor beavis and butthead it was being worked on by atari in 1996 when it was canceled huge thanks to jeremy fox of prince arcades yeah he goes there a lot i think he's um, anyway, for finding this one and opting to have it go on floor for everyone to enjoy rather than sell it to a collector to be locked away when we received the cabinet, its proprietary CD drive was not working, and the game was completely dead. The drive had an odd ribbon cable we'd not seen before. The JAMA-based PCB looked to be in very nice shape, as did the entire cabinet, and I concur. That's a, it's in perfect condition. Oh, very much so. Yeah. The CDs would not be... Well, he's... Let me rephrase this here. The CDs would not be recognized in a PC, so we were unsure of their functionality, the cabinet was very clean and contained the original sales documentation. This is probably where you thought that he had the manual, by the way. Ah. He doesn't have the manual. He had the original sales documentation stating it was sold at an MTV auction in 1999 and was one of only 12 made. I'm certain not all 12 are still in existence anymore. Our prototype is number nine. Uh, obviously, the people with, uh, uh, um, by the, this is Sean talking, by the way. Obviously, uh, the people at California Stream have one. And uh, according to K-Love, Kevin Page has another one of them. I think he's, I, I think according to uh, K-Love, it says that he actually took it home when uh, when they were cleaning things out or something to do with something uh, along those lines. But uh, that's interesting. I'd love to get to talk to him. Anyway, Doc continues, while the game would not start, when the reset button in the cabinet was pressed, a 3DO logo would display. <laughs> that sparked the idea to do a little research on the 3DO, which, by the way, folks, was a not very successful uh, video game console for, for home use. Correct. But um, it quickly looked like the drive in the old Panasonic 3DO used the same cable. We went out the next day and found a used 3DO and opened it up. Taking the drive out and just connecting it to the PCB did not start the drive properly, so we put the drive back in the 3DO 
and let the power go from the 3DO to the drive and the data cable go to the Beavis and Butthead PCB. Moments later, Seth Young, who, uh, by the way, is uh, somebody who frequently uh, maintains and repairs uh, Doc's collection, uh, Seth Young and I heard the incredibly recognizable music of the Beavis and Butthead theme song. Now it is available available for all to play. Keep an eye out as we'll be... Uh, that's what he said about that, but... He says, we also have a second CD we will try very soon as well. It could be the original concept disc of the game that was just a series of mini-games. So there was a, a another version of this game. Uh, yes. sound, the original was sounds like it was going to be more Tron-like as, as you know, mini-games as far as that goes, which be interesting to see that one. We don't really know much of anything about that particular version of this game at this point. In fact, I think that's pretty much all we know at this point. Yeah, the only things we know about is, yeah, from what Doc told us, from our experiences playing it, and from K-Lov. Oh, by the way, something interesting I found on K-Lov. K-Lov claims that it's mono sound, but it's very clearly stereo. Oh, it's clearly stereo I mean, sound. This sound was so rich coming out of the speakers um, of that. Oh, yeah. Of the, of the machine. But uh, I think before we... Uh, talk more uh about the thing let's uh let's talk about what kind of game uh this is it's your classic beat-em-up type game like ninja turtles sort of uh ninja turtles the simpsons uh double dragon that sort of thing and um it's uh it's got some improvements over the ninja turtles type beat-em-up pretty much all the konami ones and pretty much every beat-em-up is a strict you know from left to right left to right um, or as Quinn Dunkey would call it, a fight and go right. Fight and go right. Um, but this one is a little bit more than that. Now, on the console, first of all, the uh, the machine has, obviously, it's two players at the same time. The left player is Beavis, the right you know player what? is Butthead. Duh. We didn't try one player, did we? No, we didn't. I wonder if it is one playerable. Hmm. I would imagine so, because it's got the player one start, player two start button. Yeah, I can't imagine that oh, it would be uh, as much fun. Oh, and by the way, um, go to our Facebook page. We have oh, a really yeah. awesome glitch uh, <laughs> from this game. If you start try to start the game by hitting the two-player button. <laughs> and uh, so that's, uh, that's worth uh, seeking that video out for those who are listeners of the show and frequent visitors to our Facebook page know the video that we are already talking about. But yeah, we'll the, try to get it on, on uh, YouTube as well. Indeed. So you got the joystick, the four-way joystick for Beavis and Butthead. I think it might be an eight-way. It could be an eight-way. We really don't know. Again, most of the tech specs on this machine are uh, are unknown. Um, each player has a button, one called Cool and one called Kick-Ass. Kick-Ass basically does what you think it does. It kicks. Cool is punch. Or use your weapon if you have one. Or use weapon. your weapon if you have one. Now, as I was saying... Unlike Ninja Turtles, which is just the left to right scroll, every now and then this one will kind of scroll forward or kind of like on an angle. It's uh, a little, it's a lot more innovative, really, than uh, than any uh, beat 'em up game uh, before or since, I would say, if in that regard. And um, one thing I love most about this game over any of the other beat 'em up games is you can attack in four directions. Ninja Turtles, Simpsons, Double Dragon, you can only attack to the left or the right. This one you can attack left, right, up, or down. That's a, a great twist on this sort of game. It's, it's, it, you know, it's something that's so simple, you're wondering why nobody else had thought of it before. Or it's very possible that they could have, I just don't, just hadn't played the game. That's a possibility, but I had never seen it before this machine, so I'm 
If sticking by my words, and if my uh, computer desk was wood instead of glass, I would have pounded my fist on it so I could make that nice pounding sound. But I'm not going to shatter my hand. So, no. Which I think Shattered Hand was an arcade game. I thought that was a band name. That's possible too. Anyway, and it's it's typical. I mean, you're beating up uh, different enemies, uh, and then every end of every level has a boss character. One thing I do like about this game, well, maybe maybe it's not one thing I like about it, but um, one thing that is different about the the game is it doesn't seem like you're overwhelmed with a bunch of enemies like in some of the games. Yeah. However, the enemies do seem to be a bit harder to kill. And then every so often there's a boss. Some bosses are easier than the others. And um, after every round, after every boss, there is a bonus round. And if I recall correctly, we only saw three different bonus rounds. And yeah, one of them was repeated was twice. One was uh, called Battle, Battle of, the of the Dorks, where you're Beavis and Butthead from a season one episode, which, shame of shames, I've never seen. Yeah, <laughs> I've Beavis seen it, but- I just don't remember much about it. I saw a clip of it from the episode, Beavis and Butthead are dead. And that's about all I know, where they're basically wearing bras and they've got baseball bats with a boxing glove on the end, and you're just kicking the crap out of each other. And, um... The next bonus round is called Couch Fishing, which is another episode I had never seen, I guess, where you're sitting on the couch and you're just trying to, you're fishing out your window. Yeah, yeah, Uh, that's exactly what it is, because I remember the premise of that episode. I don't remember why they decided to do this, but yeah, they moved the couch over to the window and they're like, couch fishing. And they would take fishing poles and cast them out the window and just try to grab people with them. And that's what you're doing on this bonus round. The, the thing with this bonus round is uh, you can fight for the same target, or if you accidentally hook a car on the way by, you get pulled out the window, and then your part of the bonus round is over. Yeah, that Which, happened uh, to me the first time we played. I was like, where, I think where, that where happened to you a go? couple of times. Um, yeah, what you got to do is you're given a... I didn't even notice this the first time. It's very subtle. Um, this Yeah, there's a lot about this game that's obviously unfinished. I think this is one of yeah. them. You're given crosshairs in the couch fishing round. You aim the crosshairs, and... You cast your your reel out, and then it goes to where the crosshairs are. Right. Yeah, and I, the crosshairs blend in with the background a little too much. I actually, I think I noticed that the noticed the crosshairs after halfway through the first time uh, we ever got to that bonus round. One thing I do want to talk about that I don't know if this was supposed to be the way it was, but I really suspect it's just because it's a, a work in progress. Outside the window, you will see multiple Stuarts and multiple Darias. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they're supposed to be placeholders for other characters that were going to walk by, but I thought that was just, I don't know. Oh, but by the way, there's one thing I absolutely love. And I, I have to say is because, uh, number one, you cannot run this game in MAME, at least not yet. And number two, you ha- pretty much have to be at Galloping Ghost or California Extreme to play this game. So I might as well say what goes on here. If you snag Daria... Beavis and Butthead do the diarrhea chant. Oh, that's right, they do. Yes. Diarrhea, cha-cha-cha. Diarrhea, cha-cha-cha. Yes. Oh, that yes, cracked, that's awesome. That they cracked say the I think hell they do, out of me. I think they do something if you snag Stuart, too. I'm sure they do, but I don't remember I don't remember what, what it was. Again, you know, it's kind of hard to hear some of the stuff because the audio wasn't mixed properly. And then the third bonus round is Burger World, where you're picking up all the food on the floor and throwing it at customers and employees and the and health inspector other. and at each other and and you're trying to rack up your points um money and at the end of each bonus round basically beavis and butthead your characters are competing against each other in these bonus rounds ah yes and uh, whoever wins is whoever gathers the most money like most, most money playing couch fishing or mm-hmm. uh, you know throwing stuff at burger world 
and their animations at the end of the bonus rounds. Like uh, whoever wins the bonus round does a little headbang. And uh, I don't know. I don't remember what the loser does. I know when Butthead loses, Butthead he picks flings his boogers nose. at Beavis. And, oh, that's uh, right. Yeah, I don't remember what Beavis does. Um, and one other thing, it, whoever wins the bonus round would get a, a an addition. You can get a bonus uh, can of beans or uh, or soda. Uh, and if both of you are close, you are within a few cents of each other. In, at the end of the bonus round, you will both get um, either a can of beans or a can of soda. Oh, I did not notice that yes, part. Yes, I did notice that. So, see, I noticed something. I was going to say, interesting thing, this game... Okay, this game, as, as we said, this is a prototype. It's obviously unfinished. Very unfinished. And in the, It's very um, playable, but it's very unfinished, too. Exactly. Uh, I would say the game seems to be about 80-85% complete, something like that. This, the game obviously needs a lot of polish. We, we'll... we'll Give you reasons why uh, why we think that over the course of recording, but um, there's supposedly a storyline, and for some reason Beavis and Butthead get sucked into their TV, and they're going through different stages. Like first stage is a casino, uh, second stage is a butt fest, <laughs> third stage was um, wasn't it the the western stage? Third stage was the western. What was the fourth stage? Um, oh man, the fifth stage was a, a was a metal concert. I remember that. I think that was supposed to be the final stage. The fifth stage is missing. Now they did not complete that one. Um, that's a stage that's not in the game at all. It just says "coming soon" on there, which uh, there's a little glitch. Oh, after you when you start the game, after you get sucked into the TV, it shows like the six stages that you're supposed to go through, and the casino is the first one, which. Uh, uh, this game's got a lot of interesting graphical uh, things in it, but uh, we'll get to that in a moment. But on the stage, you see the casino when you're done with it. On top of the casino, it says coming soon. So that's obviously a glitch there, but the fifth stage is not there at all. I'm trying to remember what the fourth stage was. Oh, carnival. Carnival. It was a carnival. That's right. Yes, carnival. And then, and, you know, after you get through the uh, the final stage, you're at a concert, and then there's a hilarious, hilarious end-of-game animation. I just thought it was freaking hilarious. And uh, we'll once again have the video up of our uh, play. I believe our video is like about a half hour long. And uh, so you can see that. Each mini-game ends with a couple of chicks basically carrying you off the screen in some way, like either with a helicopter or whatever else have you. Actually, that's not the end of the mini-game. That's after you defeat the boss. It's also at the end of the mini-games, too. Because we saw that the first time we played it. Are you sure? It. i got to double-check yes. that. Because I could have sworn that was only... Oh, God, you're going to double-check it? That means you're not going to double-check yeah. it. Because, it, you know what, I think you're right. Because before you hit the other next round, each round is introduced by them sitting in front of the TV and uh, and then getting sucked in again. So you might be right on that. I'm right on that. No, no, you might be. I am right on that. You might be. They might I'm also right be that. giants. Um, that's fascinating. Uh, I will watch the video again if I can get it uploaded to freaking YouTube. Now, the reason I was mentioning the story is because you had mentioned that your points are in money. Your score is dollars and cents instead of actual points. And we're wondering kind of what the uh, situation with that is. Why money instead of... Um, instead of an act, uh, a score. Now, I think believe you posited the idea that perhaps maybe they're trying to buy tickets to a concert, kind of like 
what happened with the uh, the Beavis and the Butthead games for the Super games. Nintendo and uh, the Sega Genesis. Right. Uh, which when they in those games, which are just a let's be honest, they're kind of lame. They are. Uh, they're trying to uh, to get tickets to go see Guar in concert. So that's a possibility, and that makes sense. But we don't know. Once again, it's unfinished. They didn't really flesh out. Well, obviously they had a story in mind, but being this is a prototype, there's a lot left really unfinished. As far as the gameplay, I'd already mentioned a few things about the scrolling and the attacks. You do have a few other things you can do. First of all, there are some special moves. If you hold the, I think it's the cool button, and you rotate the joystick, Beavis or Butthead, depending which character you're playing, will do their little their little dance that they do when they're watching a music video or something that they really like. I think, isn't it called the, one of them's called the monkey spank, and I can't remember what the other one's called. Oh, they actually have names for those moves? I believe they do, uh, actually. Then there's another move that they can do. It's either a burp or a fart, which I believe you have to hit both buttons at the same time, which I totally forgot how to do that last, totally forgot about that last time we were playing, even though there's a big old label on the cabinet that uh, has those instructions clearly there. Now, as far as burping or farting, during the game, there are different items you can pick up. Some of them are for health, like you'll find like a plate full of nachos, which will increase your health. Uh, Sometimes you will find uh, a can of beans, which will allow you to fart instead of belch. And every now and then you'll find a roll of teepee. Ah, yes. Ah, yes, the teepee. And it will turn either Butthead or Beavis into Cornholio, and during that time... You are invincible for a few seconds. You can just, just walk it's into... It's a short time. It's a short time, but to see Cornholio... I am Cornholio! I need Tippy for my bunghole! Uh, actually integrated into the gameplay was... Honestly, me and Sean really died laughing the first time we saw that, especially the first time we both saw Butthead as Cornholio. Now, you were saying that they there was an episode an early episode where Butthead did the Cornholio thing. which I think I, it was the very first episode that had Cornholio. He saw what Beavis was doing, so he was like, he, he put his shirt over his head. Oh, like, you know what? I remember just for that episode seconds, now. He just kind of giggled. Yes. People informally refer to that as Buttholio. Oh, is that true? Because I, I made that yeah. up. I wasn't sure nope. if that was a thing nope. or not. It's not official. That's what people referred to him as, just to distinguish him from Cornholio. By the way, do you remember if there was any dialogue once you pick up the toilet paper? Like, do you hear Beavis yes. say, I am Cornholio? Yes, there was. Oh, okay, good. Yes, there is. Now, there's one problem is, um, again, prototype. The uh, the audio did need some tweaking between these the soundtrack and the uh, sound effects, which makes me wonder if the soundtrack was actually being read from the CD whereas the uh, the other sound effects were on a totally separate channel and then they were not mixed properly because we, you really had to listen hard to hear some of the dialogue and this game's got some really really awesome dialogue there was one i remember if you if you're butthead and you don't touch the joystick for a short period of time or you don't move he'll say eh Get your hands out of your butt and put them on the joystick. <laughs> Which basically tells me that Mike Judge was involved in this directly somehow. He had to have been, it's because he does. he's the voices. Oh, yeah. and that one thing that really did tick me off about this game, however, and this is really kind of a minor tick off, 
is there were no credits on this uh, yeah. for like programmers and stuff. Yeah, we I really want to know more about this. I really, no really want to know more about this particular machine because this one sounds like it's probably got a, a very interesting uh, story behind it, very interesting history. But um, back to what we were talking about, about Paris, France. I remember, don't worry, no, that's Steve Martin. Uh, but back to what we were talking about, about the gameplay. Now, there are some things you can't pick up. Oh, and by the way, these things are hidden like in drums or in boxes or, you know, or barrels or stuff like that. Yeah, you have um, to open them with your weapon. Yes, or by with your them. weapon. Oh, and on the uh, the cabinet around the monitor, it has a guide to each of the uh, the things you could possibly pick up. Oh, yes. For the good things, it says cool. For the, um, what does it say for the for the bad things? Doesn't it say sucks? Yeah, yeah, that's right. And then there's a question mark, and it just says, uh. Yes, on, uh, on a few of them. Uh, one, one thing you don't want to pick up is skull and crossbones, obvious reason, yeah. uh, which I'm wondering if that was just a placeholder and they were going to put something else in there. Possibly. Had to have been, because there's no way that those guys wouldn't have gone straight for a skull. Uh, cool. Oh, yeah. There's no uh, way. Cool, especially given one of the special weapons you get later on in the game. And then the other thing you don't want to pick up is uh, it's a sign that says, beware of falling objects. You pick that up and rocks fall onto the screen no matter where you are. And so you got to watch out for that. Um, watch out for snakes. Watch out for snakes. Uh, watch out for my snake. <laughs> now, there are some other objects you can pick up, and I don't exactly remember what they are, but... These are for special weapons, and these are what you can get for special weapons every now and then. And a couple of these are really are really cool. Well, they're actually are all pretty cool. The first one that we saw was a baseball bat with a boxing glove on the end, kind of like in the bonus round. The next one that I saw, I can't remember what again. Don't remember what you pick up to get the weapon, but your character puts on a cowboy hat and you start spitting chewing tobacco at people. It's a very projectile weapon, and another one is you can put on kind of like a metal head <laughs> and you shoot laser beams out of your uh, out of your eyes and my favorite oh dear oh, lord i know what you're going at here. my favorite every now and then you get a weapon which is a metal bra and when you hit the cool button eh, your thingies uh your boobs will like extend <laughs> extend out and kill any uh and like Get a hit on any on you know whatever they touch. Oh dear lord, that is so. I remember the first time we saw that. You and me laughed so hard. Me laughed. <laughs> yes, you and you and I laughed so hard at that. That was just that was just hilarious. You got to get out to play. You get really got to get up to Galloping Ghost to play this thing. It is amazing. <laughs> it is it is amazing with all of the uh, the 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 touches they had in this game, right from the TV show. Now, that having been said, remember this game is a prototype, and everything isn't all roses. You know, uh, Guns and Roses? Shut up. Oh, now you're doing Beavis, too. Well, I've always kind of done Beavis. I like your Beavis better, though, because you actually can do it a lot louder than I can. But, you know, there are problems with the game, obviously. The, The first and most noticeable, well, I can't say the most noticeable. There are two really noticeable ones. One of them is the audio is really out of sync. Uh, and in some places, just plain missing, obviously. Because you'll yeah. see, like, I think mainly in the attract mode, you will see that Beavis and Butthead are sitting on the couch actually talking to each other, but you don't actually in hear the cut them screen, say anything. In the cutscenes. That's uh, true, yes. Yes, in the cutscenes, it does the same thing, where it doesn't match, especially the end of game animation sequence, the end of game scene, which is kind of sad because that's pretty, I love that end of game scene, which 
thinking about it doesn't really it doesn't really fit in with the narrative which to be perfectly honest is not necessarily a bad thing <laughs> or at least of you know the narrative that we've that we can suss together from everything right. the game presents us so there's that um obviously the fifth stage is totally missing there are a bunch of little random glitches every now and then huge one is the frame rate it it doesn't yeah. the, the animation is not smooth in this game nothing is really smooth whether that's the machine and the fact that they had to get a cable off of the 3DO or you know however however it was if it's a uh, like that or if it's because of the fact that the game is a prototype i don't know and there was one scene there was one area and i this actually happened a couple of times where I would die, and it would put me right back in the same spot where my character died, where I was getting beat up on, and it seemed like there was no invincibility to where I could get away from the uh, creature or whatever it was that was beating me up. Hmm, I didn't notice. I noticed that a few times, and so obviously this had to go through quality assurance, and as I said, the game seems 80-85% done. So obviously it's a prototype. We didn't really talk about the cabinet. Uh, we generally don't, but, um, you know, it's blue. It's got scenes from the show, and it says it has the famous Beavis and Butthead logo from the TV show on the marquee. I mean, what more is it? Yeah. The marquee, by the way, doesn't stick out like it does on a typical uh, arcade camera. It's just kind of flat. Are you sure? Because I yes. remember it being round, a curved marquee. Well, I'll put it to you this way. It doesn't extend over the monitor like most arcade cabinets. In fact, Are you I'm looking sure at it right that, now. Because I'm, looking at, it I'm looking at it right now. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. it did. No, it's basically like a little sign that's kind of above the monitor. The monitor actually extends outside of the uh, where the marquee is. Now, I will say this. As far as the marquee goes, it does look like it was printed on an inkjet printer. But again, this is a prototype. I mean, you got to exactly. expect you got to expect placeholders and unfinished things, especially for something that was in the process of being worked on. So, any of the problems on a technical side with this game, I give it a pass because this was not completed. If it was released in '96 or '97, whenever they were going to release it, and it was released like this, I would be very critical. Oh yeah, yeah. But this was clearly not finished. Yeah, um, and there again, are obviously some characters that are very very hugely missing like principal mcvicker who well, pretty is pretty much all of the characters yeah. are missing from this yeah, at principal least mcvicker is actually a key enemy in the sneeze version and i th- maybe the sega genesis version but i haven't played that version yet coach buzzcut is only on the high score screen yeah daria and stewart are only on the uh, the couch fishing scene and mr van Driesen isn't in it at all mr van Driesen's not in it mr mcvicker's not in it and um, Tom Anderson's not in it. Tom Anderson, he's he should be in the game somewhere. Oh, yeah. The the biggest problem with this game, and this is a criticism, we if if it was released like this and the technical issues were were solved, the biggest problem with this game is while the characters that are in the game are extremely true to what they were in the show, unlike the game The Simpsons, there's not enough of them in the game, at least yeah. not in any meaningful way. Now, Coach Buzzcut does say some things on the uh, on the high score entry screen slash the actual high score screen itself. I can't remember exactly what they were. Now, when I say I can't remember what they were, me and Sean have only played this game three times in our life. Unlike yeah. other games that we have played over and over and over, we actually have a legitimate excuse for saying don't remember when we talk about this machine. So, just letting you know that right now. Although we do I've, have video though. We do have video, and there are other videos from other locations 
of uh, people location. playing this game. So you can always go back to that. The, the audio really gets me because, as I was saying, if you listen closely, Beavis and Butthead are making quips all throughout the game, but you can't really yeah. hear them unless you're like right up against the machine. I remember one time uh, Beavis uh, says, The streets will flow with the blood of the unbelievers when he turns into Cornholio. And I think Butthead a few times goes, Ugh, <laughs> like yeah. he is wont to do. That's spelled W-O-N-T. And one thing we didn't mention is Beavis and Butthead can actually hurt each other in the game. Like, you can actually yes. like, inflict damage, even and they react when you do it. Like, you'll hear Butthead go, ow! Yes, yes. You'll hear a lot of that. That That's actually one sound effect that you'll hear all the time. Yeah. Oh, one thing I forgot to mention uh, about the special weapons when you pick them up. Underneath your score, there is your life meter, and it, I believe it also has an, an image of Beavis and Butthead uh, for each life you have left. And then underneath that, there's a meter showing how many cans of spinach, or spinach, we're not talking about Popeye. No, cans of beans, and uh, there was spinach another shots. meter. I think Maybe it's cans of soda make, allows you to burp, now that I think Might about be. it. I think that's, I think, you know what, I think that's right. You have to have a, a can of uh, soda to burp. So you got you know a little meter showing you how much you got there. But when you have one of the special weapons, it takes away the indicator of how many cans of uh, beans or soda you have and replaces it with a power meter. You can only use your special weapons for a certain amount of time. So get as much use out of those as you can. And something else that I found interesting, now on the TV show and in Beavis and Butthead to America, which uh, I watched <laughs> a, a last weekend, by the way. And Me too. <laughs> man, that is, that, that is a hysterically funny movie. It really is. My pro- I have a problem with the movie. I think it s- does slow down quite a bit in the middle. Yeah. Fortunately... Fortunately, at the end of the movie, it picks right back up. Um, oh, by the way, what is the name given in the credits to the person that voiced Butthead's dad? Well, what is implied to be Butthead's dad? Let's what is implied? Dad. Earl Hofert. Indeed. And we all know who Earl Hofert is, don't we? David Letterman's uncle. Exactly. But David Letterman uses that as a stage name. And yeah. uh, Bruce Willis and Demi Moore, while they were married, did the voices of the two yeah. bad guys. And I believe they were uncredited in the film. No, they, I think they were credited, actually. Were they? I thought they yeah, were uncredited. Yeah, because I watched the credits. I was like, oh, that was them? And it's it's an all-star cast. It really is. Yeah, and uh, what's this guy? Um, uh, Greg Kinnear was one of the FBI guys. See, Robert Stack was and the And then Robert uh, Stack FBI was guy. the main FBI guy, yes. And wasn't Cloris Leachman the old lady? Yes, Cloris Leachman, oh God, she was my favorite <laughs> character. She was my favorite secondary character in that movie. Are you two heading for Las Vegas? Yeah, we're going to score. Well, I hope to score big there myself. I'm mostly going to be doing the sluts. Yeah, I'm hoping to do some sluts too. Oh, what did she say their names were in that movie? Oh, uh, this that, is Travis, Travis and Bob. And Bob. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I love it how old people never get their names right. Because in the TV show, that there was one episode. When, there was one episode when Anderson was reporting was filing a police report, and he said one of them calls himself Butthole. The other one's name is Joe, I think. <laughs> and uh, what did these boys look like? I believe they were Oriental. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And since we're talking about Beavis and Butthead to America and the TV show, now what does Butthead's shirt say in the movie and on the TV show? Uh, Butthead's is ACDC. And Beavis's is Metallica. Metallica. And everything else, because they don't have the rights, it was Death Rock and Skull. 
Yeah, Beavis wore Death Rock, Butthead wore Skull, and that is true for the arcade game as well. And Beavis and Butthead were actually in an ACDC music video, I do believe. I think you're right. And I, they actually played it on him. Uh, I think they actually played it on Beavis and Butthead, now that I think about it. Um, I have to watch that again. That was, uh, eh, that was pretty cool. <laughs> Let me think. Is that pretty much all? That, that uh, That's really the basics of the machine. And we haven't figured out the scoring patterns or anything. We don't know. <laughs> and really in beat em up score. games, <laughs> eh, I'll probably score, but not you. <laughs> Shut up, fart knocker. I'm going to score. <laughs> yeah. Obviously there was, like we said before, Mike judge was involved. And right after doc had announced that yelping ghost had acquired the Beavis and butthead game, I downloaded the uh, sneeze version of the game and threw mm-hmm. it on my EverDrive and, threw it in my Retro Duo Portable, and I played the SNES Beavis and Butthead game. And it was, I'll tell you one thing that really disappointed me is that it was obviously not Mike Judge doing the voices. It was obviously people like us. Yeah. The arcade game, it is Mike Judge. Oh, without a doubt. And it's interesting, um, the best of the home games, uh, Virtual Stupidity, uh, if I remember it correctly, it uh, sounded like Mike Judge did the voices on that one as well. It seems like he had a hand in that one as well. Um, You you know, there's just some things you can just tell because artists have a certain, certain, a certain, a circus. Artists have a certain style, you know, and you can always tell when they've touched something. Like in this one, uh, you're touching yourself, Beavis. Uh, um, You can tell when they're involved in something. And as we said, it's quite obvious Mike Judge was involved in in this. And... Again, without the game having a credit screen, at least that we could see, it's really difficult to gauge how much of an impact he had with this particular machine, with this particular game. It was obviously quite a bit, but given the fact that none of the major characters really play a major role in the game other than the two titular characters, (laughs) other than that, I mean, I don't know. Um, That's surprising, though, because in the main games... All the characters are these fantasy characters. The yeah. actual recognizable non-Beavis, non-Butthead characters are all in the bonus rounds. Oh, by the way, I have to say, I, the, the Buttfest uh, scene, it's Buttfest 69, <laughs> where it's like Woodstock. <laughs> I, I loved the intro scene because they're like, eh, that's like from a 60s. The 60s must have sucked. Um, there's one enemy, and I, I really thought this was an awesome... There were a couple of... There were actually quite a few awesome touches uh, in this game when it comes to the enemy characters, despite them not being from the TV show. First of all, uh, I, was, I was saying about the buttstock scene, there's a one person walking through the stage. You see this, this enemy several times carrying a peace sign. It's like one of the, you know, a protest signs. got the peace symbol on it. And their attack is they hit you with the peace sign. I absolutely loved that. Yeah. I thought oh, that by was the way, hilarious. Before we get any, any, that's not what that means. Yes, we know it's technically nuclear disarmament, but everybody calls it peace. So that's what we're going to do. Exactly. But it was still freaking hilarious. And then in the casino stage, one character you have to fight are lounge lizards. Literally, Literally. lounge <laughs> lizards. They're lizards dressed up like lounge singers. That was, I loved that. That was yeah, remember, you had to explain that to me, I remember. <laughs> yes, you didn't notice it, because you were just playing the game, and then it just yeah. suddenly hit me, like, hey, check that out, those are lounge lizards, and then you then you, saw, then you thought about it a moment, and, like, and then you just died laughing. I remember that. 
I have to say, we've played this three times, twice at Midwest Gaming Classic, yeah. once at uh, Galloping Ghost. And I have to say that obviously the first couple of times we had a rose-colored glasses on, and then the third time we played it, we were looking at it. We're playing it more with a more critical eye. We noticed more of the flaws and stuff. Like there was like, a, maybe a little wonky hit detection and some of the other things we mentioned. And um, um, during the uh, during the attract mode, and one of the frames joystick is misspelled. Oh gosh, yes, mm-hmm. yes. And um, it's still a fun game, though. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Um, I'm obviously sometimes you know something based on a character. The uh, the humor is going to get worn out, or you know. Because, you know, over and over again. But I think there's just enough with this game uh, from a concept standpoint to keep it interesting. Um, the fact that it's a Beavis and Butthead, give it the little oomph that it needs. I mean, because really, the gameplay itself is one of a kind in the arcade as far as the beat-em-up genre goes. I mean, you don't see any other beat-em-up, again, I haven't played them all, but you don't see, let's put it this way, you don't see very many other beat-em-ups that scroll in four directions like this. Now I'm not talking, I'm not talking up and down like you're in an elevator, but like more forward, backward, or allow yeah. you to fight forward, backward, or left or right. You don't see that. Correct me if I'm wrong, and I know somebody's will probably write in saying you're wrong, and they'll say it just like that, and you know I won't be able to hear them, but just the way they type. Oh, you're you can tell wrong. how they type, yeah. But um, I really, really, really enjoyed this game. Next time I go up to Galloping Ghost, I'm definitely going to play. In fact, I was, uh, it's, um, after you left Galloping Ghost, I was watching other people play the game, and um, pretty much everybody that I saw playing it were having a blast playing this thing. Oh, yeah. And um, my initial impression when I first played at at MGC was this is an amazing game. I don't hold that it's an amazing anymore, but it's still pretty damn good, and I will go back to play this one. And this was one game that I did not mind continuing on. And that's something I want to mention, too. How many times did we have to continue in order to finish the game? Well, I do know because of the uh, the one bug where I just kept getting wailed on because it kept putting right. me in the same spot. Uh, I know I had to continue quite a few times there, but it did not take a whole hell of a lot of continues. No, in it fact, did I not. I believe the first time we played it at Midwest Gaming Classic, we only continued once and we got to uh, two and a half uh, levels into the game. Yeah, and then we just said, you know what, let's stop. Let's let, let other, other people, people play. play it at that point. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, we I want to publicly right now thank Doc Mac for, I'm not going to say exactly what he did, but uh, he made sure that we were able to play it all we needed yes. for this show. He's yes. seriously, God, yeah. the arcade people out here are just so awesome. They really are. Yes. And in fact, talk to Doc Mac quite, Doc Matt, <laughs> Doc Mac quite a bit after you left uh, Galloping Ghosts last time. And um, to tell you what kind of guy Doc Mac is, okay, and not to belittle anyone else, because they've all been really cool to us. And to be perfectly honest, I think everybody that we've met in the Chicago arcade scene would have this same attitude. But I'm like, dude, I told him, dude, you've been really good to us and our show, and I'd like you to record or write some sort of copy that we can just put an advertisement, an advertisement on our show for just for everything you've done for us. We're not doing this to weasel our way in for free or any special treatment. We made it very clear that this is a thank you for what you've done. And he's like, well, you know what? You guys really do a lot for the arcade scene in Chicago, the way it is. He was, he didn't want to, uh, 
you know, do really? do anything. I mean, he uh, he he was he was like, you're already doing a service. Wow. To put it <laughs> to paraphrase it, but I, I kept insisting, dude. I'm whenever somebody does something for me, I feel that I have to, you know, pay it back or pay it forward or whatever, you know. Not out of compulsion, but out of a genuine thank you. It's it's you know is what I'm saying. And uh, but he he um, at the end of the conversation, even though it sounded like he didn't really want to do anything, I'm like, just put something together. We we will we'll air it or read it or whatever. But I'll tell you this: um, if you're ever in the Chicago area, especially if you're in Brookfield, get out to the Galloping Ghost. It's on Ogden Avenue, ninety four fifteen Ogden Avenue, I believe. 9415 Ogden Avenue, Brookfield, Illinois. According to this, it looks like it is two blocks from the Congress Park Metro Station uh, in Brookfield, Illinois. Just, uh, well, two and a half maybe tops, which I I didn't realize it was even that close. That's pretty dang close. And um, plenty of places to eat uh, right around there. You're not going to find a McDonald's or anything like that real close. Oh, shucky darn. Oh, shucky darn. But you'll find a lot of local restaurants Tony's is awesome. We re- and we really enjoyed Brixie's too. That's a, that's mm-hmm. the uh, bar we were talking about yes. before. And uh, so there's there's plenty to do in that area. You know, if you've got a couple days, you can also go to the Brookfield Zoo, which isn't too far away. It's a couple miles, and there's a train station for that too on the same line. I can't remember which line it's served, but uh, visit Galloping Ghost. Fifteen dollars, all you can play weekdays, one to two, one p.m. to two in the morning, uh, weekends. 11 to 2, I believe. Uh, go to their website, gallopingghostarcade.com, for more information. And uh, thanks, Doc, for everything you've done for us. This was a one time favor. We are not going to make a habit of asking you for Oh, heck no. <laughs> heck <laughs> no. And, um, but he, yeah, he's been, you know, I, I'm, I'm gushing about Doc Mac, but, and, and he has been really good to us, but, we mention this all the time, but Scott uh, Lambert at Underground Retrocade has been really good to us as well. And um, and the thing is, it's not like we're getting special treatment either. They're good to everybody. They really are. Yeah, as I said, it's before, and I think Doug Mack has even said this too, that it's a community. And, yeah, um, exactly. And, that, and, and that's, and kind of, really that's probably why you see the same people like every time you go. Like You're probably going to see James White at Galloping Ghost. I have seen Duke at... Underground Retrocade. I've seen him at Galloping. Those are the only two in Duke Chicago where I've been to. Duke goes to everywhere at the same time. I mean, geez, last night he was just three, like three blocks away from my apartment, playing, getting that centipede score. <laughs> I swear he's like cloned or he has mastered um, teleportation or something. Oh, so- and uh, something else. I don't know if you knew this about him, but uh, he lives a little bit northwest of me. You know yep. how far north in the city I am. Sometimes yep. he rides his bike to Galloping Ghost. You had been telling me this. I just think that's amazing. It's like there's yeah, no wonder he's so thin. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, I ride my bicycle a lot, and I'm not that thin. Yeah, geez. I'm even more not thinner than you. Well, you know what? We got to do something about that. But um, not now. But um, I don't really know if I really have much more to say at this point, about the Beavis and Butthead game. Well, you know what? You had many, many times, even before this show, uh, before we recorded this episode, you had mentioned to me that Virtual Stupidity is the best home Beavis and Butthead game. Yes. Why don't you tell us about that? And by us, I mean everybody. Well, a little brief history of adventure games on the PC. Started with text adventures, text role-playing games, uh, Zork, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, 
uh, and even stuff like Minds of Moria, Zang Band, Ang Band, you know, stuff like that. And then eventually, uh, Sierra came along with graphic text adventures. We still had to type Go West or whatever, but they also had all of the images and stuff. And eventually, Sierra Online developed that into point-and-click adventures. LucasArts came along and pretty much perfected that uh, with games like uh, Maniac Mansion, uh, Night of the Tentacle, my favorite, Zack McCracken, and the Alien Mindbenders, which if you ever find that one, get that. That's an awesome game, especially if you like uh, conspiracy theories. At any rate, I believe it was... Yeah, you love conspiracy theories, don't oh, you? I do. Uh, but Viacom <laughs> New Media, Viacom, the parent company of MTV, came out with a PC game in 94. August of 95, called Beavis and Butthead in Virtual Stupidity. That is a point-and-click adventure game in the vein of the uh, LucasArts and Sierra games. And uh, the object of the game is Beavis and Butthead, even though they're mistreated by Todd, they think he's so cool that they want to join his gang. And so they go through their... Todd's not in the arcade game either. He isn't. He should be. Yeah. But then again, he would be a, have to be a good guy. Because they think he's well, good. The, to, he's, he'd be good to them, but probably... I, I, yeah, that'd be hard to implement him, wouldn't it? Yeah, he's, uh, he's an again, interesting... He is, on the uh, SNES version, Todd is technically an enemy, because you lose you lose some uh, life when... when, when I like, do recall stuff that, at yes. You. Yeah. But anyway. um, this game is that uh, you're trying to join Todd's gang, and so you're going around the town just doing stupid things and uh, just trying to... Uh, Join Todd's gang, and this was easily, in my opinion, of all the Beavis and Butthead games I've played, the the best one, the most fun. And uh, again, it seems like Mike Judge had a hand in it. He did do voices in the game. And um, if you can find this one, it was released on the PC for Windows 95 and on the PlayStation. The PlayStation version is Japan only, which I thought was interesting. When it was released, it uh, was pretty much widely reviewed very, very well. And, um, yeah, it's uh, it's worth a look if you can find this game. Um, they were going to make it for the CDI, too, but Yeah, uh, they had happen. canceled that from what I had read on my source. <laughs> and, you know, that's one thing we really didn't talk about about the arcade game, now that I think about it, is the fact we briefly mentioned it in what Doc Mack said in his uh, thing about the game, and that was the hardware, the game, the arcade game, uh, the Beavis and Butthead arcade game, is based on the 3DO platform. Which makes me think something. Was that how it was going to be released? And I think so, because in the attract really? mode, if you remember, it did have the 3DO logo. Ah, uh, uh, but is it that maybe that was something that was kind of forced in there? Kind of like how if you boot up an Atari 7800. No, because it was on one of the... one of the. When I say it didn't have a credit uh, okay. screen... Well, actually, it did have a credit screen. It was like on the, the copyright screen where it listed all the copyrights for Beavis and Butthead and on that. The yeah. 3DO logo was on that screen in the corner. It wasn't like a full screen thing, which we did see on the boot up after uh, Doc had to reboot it after the uh, <laughs> the uh, X-rated glitch that we found in the game. <laughs> oh, gosh. That, oh. Was, that was one of the... It's technically not X-rated. It's no, just very, very, very highly anything. suggestive. It's the mind playing tricks on you. But So I thought that was interesting. It's 3DO. Um, and uh, Doc's going to talk some about that, I believe, in the audio clip that we have of him. And... Um, I just, I just found that interesting that Atari didn't develop their own hardware for this. Which makes me wonder, because at the same time, uh, we were talking to Doc Mack about this, there were 
four other games that Atari was going to release around that same time. This one's, and these were all canceled. Atari was working on yeah. these five games. One of them was Primal Rage 2. Which uh, which was uh, brought out to Midwest Gaming Classic in 2015 and almost destroyed. Indeed. And um, another the one way, was folks, a game do called... Not drink, do not drink while you're playing a video game. Yeah, in, at least yeah. an arcade game. Now, especially goes, if it's rare. Uh, I believe Doc... Was it Doc or Pete? One of them told me that they do allow drinks back in the arcade area, but you cannot put them on the machine. You have to put them on the floor. So there's that, but... Uh, yeah, another in, game in underground retrocade, you're not allowed to leave the lounge no. area with a, with a drink. The lounge or the party room, that's it. And if you're going that, yeah. between the party room and the lounge, the drink has to be sealed. Yeah, and I almost <laughs> last time as underground retrocade, I almost violated that a couple of times, and uh, and Scott had to chastise me a little bit about that. Uh, sorry, Scott. But uh, another game that was canceled by Atari at that time was a game called Freeze. Which both was, uh, of these a, games are at Galloping Ghost, And both the of these are at Galloping Ghost, which it's amazing all the prototype machines that they have at Galloping oh, Ghost. Oh, yeah. Yeah, basically, if a game is in prototype, Doc will probably get it at some point. So it seems. Um, yeah. There was, uh, there was one other game. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, do you have that conversation pulled up? Yeah. Any I, chance? When I, I did some research to see if I could conclude what game, because I, I remember when we talked to him uh, when when we went to Galloping Ghost to, pl- to play Beavis and Butthead, he, I think he specifically mentioned six games that Atari was working on that Midway put the kibosh on after the merge. And I was able to conclude that 10th Degree and Vicious Circle were two of them. And so I reached back out to Doc. I said, Doc, uh, that's five games so far. Do you know what the sixth game would be? He said, actually, those might have been the only five. So. Okay. He wasn't 100% sure. So so he's got three of the machines from the the, uh, the time Atari canceled these games. Again, uh, Doc Mack will explain that in the uh, audio that we have coming up here in just a moment. And uh, what do you think? Should we just roll that now? Just play the record. That you need to contact Mike Judge and have him come out to do something. It would, uh, it's on the list of things to do. We've, uh... That would be so damn awesome, and I will... I will call in sick for work if I have a job. I might even quit my job for it. There you go. Mike Judge has had such like a... It's his creation in a video game. And everybody's been saying how much they love the game. Sean here with Davis. So he was like number 30. But to me, he'll always be number two. <laughs> Shut up, Fartnacker. Shut up, Davis. I'll shove those antlers up your butt sideways. Oh, yeah. <laughs> We haven't done so our Beavis and Butthead. Why did that not test well? Why? I don't know. What they do? Have old people test it? This is a complete. It, it had nothing to do with it not testing well. Oh, that's a rumor I heard. That's a, that's what wow. everybody said. It's pretty much the same. Like when Midway bought Atari, oh. it was more of an internal thing where the Mid, Midway, their guys were like, "Hey, we need the funds focused focused on our games, and like these Atari stuff, like it's not our stuff." Oh, that and sucks. So yeah. it was like that you had you had three games that were pretty much you had six games that were pretty much done from Atari at that point, <laughs> and it was just kind of and this again I've I've heard this from people who were working there and it's it's it was more they wanted to focus on actual games designed by Midway guys coming out and it had nothing to do so much with the earnings like Primal Rage two. That was the long-standing rumor that it, it just tested very poorly. And the tests were fine. There's a lot of internal stuff within these companies that really, really 
really uh, made the arcades scale back, and it's, it's there's a lot of misinformation out there. It's unfortunate. Viva some butthead game. Yeah. And I was just telling Pete this. Is it better than a lot of the other like kind of beat 'em up fight and go right games? Because first of all, this scrolls in four directions. Yeah. And you can attack in four directions, where most of you can only attack left and right. And I, I love that. That makes the game a lot more interesting, I think. Absolutely. And the characters are so iconic and memorable, oh, yeah. especially then. And the biggest thing over the Simpsons game is the characters in this game are true to what they yes. are on the TV show, Absolutely. whereas on The Simpsons, Smithers and Mr. Burns are not that evil. Absolutely. It's like the people that designed that game only saw the, car saw the characters, they the, but they never the watched the show. Those people watched the show. Absolutely. Like, you can see, like, everything yeah, like out that. of it is Couch so pulled right from the TV show. Yeah. That is just beyond awesome. I think the best thing about that game, though, is I love how Bloodhead can turn into Cardinal. Yeah. Oh, oh that's yeah. awesome. The amazing thing about it, and to say that it didn't test well is why it got canceled. It's like no, there's no way that test. That, I, I wonder if that even got to test. Um, it it was on test location. Oh, was it? It, it, it had made it out there, um, and that's what like most of them um, didn't get. If there was, if it was just going out, there would be. Less of them. Like it, it, it's, it, it definitely made it out somewhere. The fact that the cabinet's complete, the game has endings. Like it was, it was pretty much done. And I, I kind of wonder, given how faithful it is to the characters in the show, if Mike Judge didn't have a huge hand in it. Oh, I would absolutely assume that he did. I want to check. Someday I'm going to play that thing all the way to the end credits to, to take a look at. It is. There's only really? there's four of the six stages. Um, plus all the bonus rounds in there, mm -hmm. and it's it's a long game. It's a long How game long is long? Um, I think they spent about probably 45 minutes to an hour. That's a pretty long time for a beat em up. It wasn't even complete. There should have been two more levels. Oh, yeah. so. I, I noticed on there it said casino level coming soon, but I we played it. There were. Because um, I know there are suit machines yeah, and the lounge was. Yeah, and the lounge was. Uh, yeah. Oh god, yeah. that was funny. When I when I saw that, I'm like, hey Sean, look at that. Those are lounge lizards. Like, oh crap, those are. <laughs> that's a that's that's one of the most fun games I've ever played. Yeah. Granted, it's the first time I ever played it. And were you fans of Beavis and Butthead? But that that licensed title needed a good game because most of them with the exception of virtual stupidity on the PC suck. Yeah. Virtual stupidity was like uh like uh the uh LucasArts uh like Maniac Mansion type game. Yeah. That was a fun game. Yeah. This is what the, they needed. Well I'm, I'm glad we have it up for people to play. It would be awesome if if not only if if it gets ever gets dumped, but it would be I know this is a long shot, but it'd be neat to see it like go back into production because that's something I think people need to play. Seriously, that's a game everybody needs to play. For sure. And damn it if I'm not gonna make that. I don't understand why Midway cancelled at the very least I don't understand why they cancelled Primal Rage 2 and Beavis and Butthead. Primal Rage was an ego. established game, and as I keep saying, I'm not a fan. I don't like fighting games. 
Uh, I actually did enjoy the original Primal Rage, and when I go to Galloping Ghost, I play Primal Rage 2, because I thought that was a really fun game. I loved how it was, it was dinosaurs, and then you could eat the spectators and stuff like that. I really liked Primal Rage 2, and that would have, I think, would have been a big hit. Beavis and Butthead would have been a huge hit. Huge. This would have been monster. But Midway, in their infinite wisdom, canceled everything Atari was working on. It's all about ego, and it's not just the video game industry. I can compare it to this. I've mentioned on the show that I'm a big Beatles fan, so uh, something that, that's kind of parallel to that is the Beatles record label was EMI Records. They specifically recorded for Parlophone, a division of EMI. And when the Beatles were trying to make it in America, since Capitol Records was owned by EMI, they had the right of first refusal to any of EMI's property in America. And the thing is, EMI, which is a British company, had some years earlier, in the late 50s, I believe, bought Capital. And Capital in America was kind of pissed off about being run by the, oh, we're not going to listen to these limey idiots over there. So anytime anytime that EMI tried to get a British artist released in America, Capital would turn up their nose. They're like, nope, sorry, we're not going to do it. And there was one performer. Her name was Mrs. Miller. She was a pianist. And um, what? A pianist. A piano player. Ah, Capital released it and it sold 75 copies, literally 75 copies because they didn't promote it at all. And so later on, when EMI tried to get uh, British artists released on Capital, Capital would say, oh, sorry, we tried a British artist and uh, didn't sell. Bye. You know, so that's exactly what was happening with Midway. It's basically ego. They're like, what's this crap? We didn't do this. Nope. Sorry. Bye. Not Actually, they probably down. didn't even say sorry. Oh, probably not. And I mean, yeah, that was at the time Beavis and Butthead were a hot property. They were just uh, about was uh, about a year or two before uh, Do America. Actually, Beavis and Butthead Do America came out in December of 1996, so it was the same year. Oh, so maybe this is uh, supposed to be a tie-in with the film. It very well might have been. Okay, well, that would make more sense. But it's just, you try to understand the corporate world. You just can't. You just can't do it. And, um, yeah, this, uh, I, I still want to find out who, uh, who was involved with this game. Uh, I would really yeah, love... If you were involved in this game and are hearing this show, please um, uh, reach out to us. Uh, Pie Factory at, at uh, fab4it.com, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, we are Pie Factory PFP on Twitter. Um, Atari Age, you know, you know, you know, the place all, you go. All the, total, the, the typical places. You'll hear our booth announcer say, but, you know. You know, I, I, I did notice recently our booth announcer no longer says our email address. That's interesting, but it's on our website. Oh. Well, Pie Factory Podcast or Pie Factory at Fab4IT.com. Either one works. Yep. yep. So because we we added a second email address because I kept forgetting what it was. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I, I don't know. Is that really pretty much everything about this? I mean, it's um, it's 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 an amazing find. Find it. Uh, it, it, it really is, especially because allegedly only twelve were made. It's like video game archaeology, arcade game archaeology. We already yeah. know about finding prototypes in the home scene. Uh, but oh, yeah. when it comes to like finding arcade prototypes, that's not as easy. And of course, <laughs> Doc Max pretty much got them all. He's got them from from Atari. He's got some from uh, Midway. He's got some from Gottlieb. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you know, Wade Argus while we were there too. 
I, I, you didn't quite grasp the concept of that one, though. Not, I had to tell really. you a few things. But I, I like how you kind of implied that finding home console prototypes is easy. It's not. It's, well, it's <laughs> easier. 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 <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, like, you're not going to find Beavis and Butthead on MAME as of yet, at least. Correct. Because there, um, there was some, if you open up your favorite search engine and look up Beavis and Butthead in MAME, you'll find like discussion forums from a long time ago, actually, like from 2011, where people are discussing that possibility. And, you know, there's some people who are arguing, oh, you just want to release it on MAME just so people could just play it at home. And it's like, well, someone's got to play it, you know. And of course, other people are saying, well, we need to conserve it somehow. We mm-hmm. need to preserve it. And, and there have we already talking- been, there have already been backups made of the disc, yeah. but without the hardware, that's kind of pointless to do. Yeah. We were, we were talking with doc about, you know, the possibility of that happening, you know, what he thought about it. And yeah, he laid it all out for us. Like how just simply ripping the ROMs and things is mm-hmm. not all you got to do to get it to work in MAME. So it's going to require some effort if this is going to come out on MAME, which I really hope it does. It's so you don't have to, well, yes, you do have to go to Galloping Ghost just to go there. People actually do fly from out of state and out of country to go to Galloping Ghost. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah, go there. But Indeed. so, yeah, you can only play it at Galloping Ghost or at California Extreme when the, when when that's uh, happening. As far as I know, those are the only ways to play it. It'd be really nice if there were other ways to play mm-hmm. it. And by know. the way, um, I heard that um, <laughs> we just missed Willie from Intari Visions and a boatload of other podcasts. He was in the Chicago area, and he was up at uh, Galloping Ghost. And, of course, I found out about it just like the day before he left. Yeah, of course. And um, uh, I believe our good friend Ed Kelly with Ed Ladin is uh, going to be in the area uh, sometime middle of July. So, $5 says it'll be when I'm in Los Angeles. But I'll be here. So then a friend of mine uh, who's in the Quad Cities area uh, who used to be on the network that my uh, political podcast was originally on uh, is going to be up in the area in a couple of weeks. But uh, uh, definitely get up there. One thing I do wish that Doc would do at Galloping Ghost for his prototype machines is to make it just a little bit more known which games are prototypes. And what's interesting is for Trog, he has the prototype and the released version in the same machine. Yes, yes. Which the prototype version was an interesting game. Which that's another. That's a that's a game we should talk about it sometime. Oh and yeah, yeah. That, you know what? That should be another uh, spot on the Pie Factory bingo card. But um, but at any rate, so uh, you were going off on a tangent, or before I rudely interrupted you, weren't you? I'm sure I was. Yeah, I don't remember. We'll circle back from that tangent. This is modern-day archaeology, folks. Yeah, and uh, now is the part of the show when we would normally rate the games. I don't know about you, but I want to abstain from rating this. Simply because it's unfinished, we can't really yeah. give it a fair rating. Well, I was originally going to rate it, but knock one star just because it's a prototype. But knocking a star because it's a prototype That's not is, is unfair, too, because you know it has issues. So, exactly. I mean, there's, there's no real way to rate it especially given our system i think the best way to rate this game is just to give a give our, our opinion of it i like it. it's a fun game glitches and all all right let me ask you this though would you like it as much if you were not a beavis and butthead fan Hmm. because i gotta be honest with you if i weren't a beavis and butthead fan to me it would just be another 
fight and go right game, even though you go more directions than just right. That's because that the thing is, a, there's a lot of button mashing going on in this. That is a tough question for me to answer. I probably would, just for the reason being that I just love crude humor, and the humor in this game is just as crude as it is on the show, especially yeah. the ending sequence, which was hilarious. And one of the reasons I wanted to play through the whole thing was because I remember we were playing this in Midwest Gaming Classic. I mean, the dialogue, all the the sound effects, the cornholio moments, I, they were just hysterical. Yes. It's, it's almost as if you were playing an episode, even though it's a little bit more fantasy than the real right. episodes were. But that's what kept me playing is that, hey, hey this because I was laughing. Mm-hmm. Oh, we both were. Oh, yeah. I mean, with, without a doubt, it's... Um it's a fun game. I, I don't think it's for everybody. And no. uh, and some of the bugs in it, some of the glitches will irritate people without a doubt. As I said, though, I mean, glitches and all, I, I like this game. It's a fun game, but I'm not going to rate it on our scale other than saying it's fun. Give it a shot if you're out there. You know, yeah, if, you're, if you paid your that's... 15 bucks, you're not out anything. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's definitely going to be on my regular playlist when I go to Galloping Ghost. I just worry, one thing, the only thing I worry about this game is, will it get old? Well, that's another thing. That's one thing I don't, that I really don't like about these, uh, the beat-em-up games is that they, that by nature, they do get old. I hear people say, oh, yeah, I, be, I beat Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles again. It's like, yeah, again, it's the right. same game, you know? Right. Or I beat The Simpsons again. It's like, yeah, you did the same thing. In fact, we, we played The Simpsons after we played Beavis and Butthead, and I was like... I remember at one point I said, is this almost over? And you said, no, we're still about halfway there. I was like, Ugh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, and I, I remember in the interview, Doc was saying that the, the playthrough of this game is like 45 minutes. It's, it's actually closer to like 25, 25, 30 to get through Beavis and Butthead. It's unless, a lot we, longer, unless we miss something. Which is a possibility. And I think The Simpsons actually did not take much longer. I think The Simpsons took like 30 minutes. But that game just seems so much longer. And we had to use a lot of continues, too. Yeah, that yeah, that, that pisses me off. I, I will say this. I think I like The Simpsons a lot more than I remember liking it. But well, we'll talk it, about we'll that. We'll talk about time. that. And in fact... But, I, but it makes me wonder if Beavis and Butthead had been finished and released, would it have been more of a quarter muncher than it actually is in its current prototype state? Well, that's just the thing we don't know, and that's why we exactly. can't really we can't give this, rate a, this a really you know a give this a rating on our scale. Yeah, all I can say is, hey, I like it. I'm going to play it again. Yeah, if for no other reason to make me laugh. Yes, and you watch the the cartoons over and over. I mean, watch you yeah. know, play this over and over. Yeah, exa- yeah, that's a good point. You know, we we can you know it's like I, I saw uh, an image on Facebook today. It was too. Two jars. Uh, one had a little bit of money in it, and the other one had a ton of money in it. And the one with a little money said "swear jar," and uh, the jar that had a lot of money on it was labeled "Monty Python quotes." <laughs> so, oh yeah. <laughs> so I mean, same thing here. And one thing I gotta say about Beavis and Butthead, I think I've said it on the show before, but the cartoon. And our friend Chris Plus Plus, I remember had an uh, an opinion about the show, saying it. Um, glorified stupidity and i didn't see the show that way this i i think the show beavis and butthead yes it's crude yes it's childish yes it's juvenile which is what makes it funny it's 
a very sly and subtle satire on American society. And if you really think about it, with the exception of Daria and maybe one or two other characters, Beavis and Butthead is actually smarter than just about everybody else. If you really think about it, they are. They're smarter than McVicker. They're smarter than Van Dreesen. They're smarter than Coach Buzzcut. They're the ones. Is it that they're necessarily smarter, or that these characters you mentioned, Van Dreesen, Buzzcut, and McVicker, are just ignorant? There's a difference between stupidity and ignorance. That is true. That is true. But I would say they're stupid because, especially Mr. Van Dreesen, because he just he just doesn't see them. He doesn't. He. They just don't get it. They think they're outsmarting them. It looks like Beavis and Butthead got a lot of signatures here. Let's see. Hugh G. Rection, Ben Dover, Rosie Palm and her five sisters. <laughs> Beavis and Butthead, couldn't you boys get each sister to sign individually? <laughs> yeah, exactly. They, I think the one episode that really shows that... Van Dreesen is stupider than Beavis and Butthead is the episode Animation Sucks where they're tasked with uh, making a, uh, drawing a cartoon and um, Mr. Van Dreesen screened Beavis and Butthead's cartoon several times because he thought it was uh, he thought it was uh, cool and that it was actually some sort of deep brilliant thing when in reality they were just scribbling I mean, you make a good case that the other characters are ignorant, but the smartest ones in the show are Daria and Todd, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. You know, now there are maybe minor characters that come every now and then, like a police officer, that are smarter. But of the major characters, only Todd and Daria are smart. That is true. And Daria and Todd are both technically bad guys, but Daria is actually kind of a good character. But Beavis and Butthead see her as horrible. Todd is a, is a horrible character, but they see him as good. And the thing is, like, I always thought that they, that Beavis and Butthead would never admit it, but something inside makes them respect Daria. I really think they have some kind of unspoken respect for her. Oh, thinking of which, I was just reading a, a quote that I, uh, earlier that I had never heard from Mike Judge uh, previously where he was talking about bringing the show back because it's always in the back of the head, bringing him back or bringing him back in a live-action movie or something. And uh, he was... Oh, I wouldn't want to see a live-action. Apparently, Johnny Depp wants to play Beavis. Oh, let's see. He's, what, 60? Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Um, and Mike Judge has went off to say that he could only ever really picture the characters at 15 or 60. Never anywhere in between. And he's toyed the idea of doing a, a version of them in their 60s, which is, we kind of got that in uh, Beavis and Butthead Do America when Beavis yeah. and Butthead meet the drifters in the middle of the desert. Yeah, and the one, roadies. Yes, the roadies for Motley Crue. And uh, the one thing he said I thought was interesting, and I could totally see it, he always pictured Butthead as actually becoming a successful used car salesman. Uh, I can help you with that, sir. <laughs> uh, this one's like cool or something. Uh, what can I do to get you into this vehicle? <laughs> and uh, into your pants, baby. <laughs> cool. <laughs> uh, I could see Butthead as a successful used car dealer. And while we're talking about their intelligence, that one meme that was going around Facebook not too long ago. Something about Kanye West. 
Have you seen this one? Mm, which one? This was when Kanye West was like, oh, oh, I owe 130 some million oh. dollars or something. Mm-hmm. And the meme was, here's Beavis and Butthead. Yes. Unlike mm-hmm. Kanye West, they do not owe this much money. They're not begging people for money. Yep. They work and they go to school. Be, Be like, like Beavis, Beavis and Butthead. Butthead. <laughs> not like Kanye West. <laughs> that is so awesome. <laughs> that, that's one of my favorite memes of the year so far. <laughs> yes. Oh, gosh, that's so awesome. Oh, and also at some point we would normally talk about high scores. Uh, should we? Oh, God. There is an entry for Beavis and Butthead. There is a track on Orcade.com with no scores. Why did we not report our scores? Well, I'll to- tell you why. Because, <laughs> first of all, you ran into a problem where you accidentally somehow wiped out your score when you continued. Yeah. I and- think I continued a little too late. I think that's what happened. Yes, and I, I didn't continued, and so my total score thing. was like $33 and some cents, which... With a continue, oh, yeah. we, well, we I continued not, in the first place. So, yeah, I did yeah. not feel right submitting a score with a continue. Yeah, you do not submit a score with a continue unless it is specifically right. Should we have mentioned that? Because that isn't that going to, uh, you know, we're going to get a lot of uh, usurpers, you know, trying to one up us, so to speak. That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, yeah, maybe we should cut that out. I think. Yeah. You, um, are we recording right now? Can people hear us? Sure. Oh, shoot. Um, so, yes. Um, anyway, <clears throat> back to the game. Um, play it, you know. If you're in the Chicago area, you're pretty much uh, got a leg up on everybody else when it comes to this. Yeah. But uh, we really, you know what we should really do? Even Fun Spot doesn't have this game. We really should do one or maybe a couple of episodes where we do nothing but talk about the prototypes that they have at Galloping Ghost because they got a lot of prototypes. Oh, yeah, yeah. We should do that. That's I think would be I think that would be a great episode. Yes, but I think a lot of things that turn out to be wrong anyway. So, so I think that's about it for this episode. Um, yeah, I think so. Uh, again, Pie Factory at Fab4IT.com or uh, Pie Factory Podcast at Fab4IT.com. You want to get in touch with us? Uh, again, thanks to our patrons. Uh, yeah, who are our patrons? Uh, we have. Um I'm going to go in alphabetical order, I think. Uh, thanks to Rory Coleman. Thanks to Michael D'Angelo. Thank you to Scott Lambert, Nathaniel Lockhart, uh, Andy Ryerson, our Super Podcast Bro. Wait, oh, by the way, we were on Super Podcast Bro. Oh, yeah, we recently. did mention that, yes. We were talking yeah. about the top 10 Atari 7800 games. Yes, uh, we'll put a link to the show notes in that. And thanks to uh, Keith Sheehan. And thanks to Richard Valdez. Thank you all for your support. And uh, if you would like to support uh, uh, Pie Factory Podcast, give a, a buck or two or however much you want to give uh, every month. That's patreon.com slash Pie Factory Podcast. And um, yeah. Yeah. So I guess long story short, the Beavis and Butthead game doesn't suck. Oh, and I, I know I've dropped this little fact on you, but uh, I haven't dropped it on the, our listeners, though. Hmm. Um, so both of you who are listening, a um, little fun fact for you, Beavis and Butthead to America, the announcer in the Capitol building, one of my wife's former coworkers, actually, when she taught at uh, Sayreville War Memorial High School in uh, Sayreville, New Jersey. Nice. Apparently there was a scene in the uh, in the Capitol that they totally cut out, and I remember seeing it on MTV where... One of them is in the bathroom, can't find toilet paper, and accidentally grabs a uh, grabs a, the Constitution and wipes his butt with it. Oh, right, right. Yeah, never made it in the movie. I wonder why. Can't imagine why. Nope, not at all. Well, at any rate, there you go. So, so there we have it. So, uh, 
So we will be back uh, next time with our normal, everyday, regular Pie Factory podcast format. Uh, what games should we talk about there, uh, Jimmy G, Jimmy G? Well, what do you say we continue with the cartoon theme? Okay. And let's talk about The Simpsons, and let's talk about Roadrunner. Oh, okay. Yeah, wonder what I the see. theme is going to be. Hmm. Gee, hmm. Um, shows that have characters that have feathers. Stuff, yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Oh, well. Oh, well. Anyway, we'll uh, get to it. So. this is uh, Unsnazzy Shine. And this is Jimmy G. Um, smell you later. Uh, yeah, yeah. Did you ever see that? Universal. Settle down, baby. <laughs> Are you threatening me? This episode of the Pie Factory podcast was edited and produced by Hyde St. Pierre. Opening and closing theme is The Happy L composed by Sean Courtney. Follow the Pie Factory podcast online via Facebook, on Twitter at Pie Factory PFP, or on piefactorypodcast.com. Support the show at patreon.com slash piefactorypodcast. I think this is the first time we've, uh, the topic of our show was an unreleased game. Is Yeah, this, the, uh, we, there was a, whoa, good morning. Uh, there was an exception for, whoa, again, man, what the hell are you drinking? Wine and Kugel's Cranberry Ginger Beer. Ooh, that's Cranberry Ginger Shandy. Shandy. Gonna lay around the Shandy Mama and put a good buzz on. A good buzz Uh, on. Now, what was I saying? Um... Uh, I lost my train of thought. Oh, uh, you got derailed. Well, confirm the account. Eh, I'm not Catholic. You see what I did there? No, I didn't. No. Dang it. I need new glasses. Well, someone needs well, if glasses. Well, if I'm the one who didn't see what you did, then I'm the one who needs new glasses. Which means I need glasses, period, because I don't really wear glasses at all. Except sunglasses. Coming to you, um... Almost live! Almost live. Not really. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> and already with the uh, outtakes real. Ah, uh, thank you, Lineys. Boy, I never seen two kids do so much damn quacking.